Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Vertical. Most of us live our lives in a horizontal way. We talked about this last week. What does it mean to live horizontally? It means to be looking straight ahead, looking at what's on the horizon, trying to get to what's out there, over there, something I can see. But as we live horizontally, we begin to realize that there's a lot of obstacles that can come in the way, a lot of battles you, you see along the way, a lot of things you have to fight. Uh, and if you focus horizontally all your life, uh, you focus on the enemies rather than what on, God, on, on what God wants you to focus focus on. And so through our series, uh, Vertical, we're beginning to take this look and say, how can we begin to live our life vertically? How can we begin to take our eyes off the horizon and begin to fix our eyes on God? How can we take our eyes off of uh, the earthly, the temporal, and begin to fix it on the eternal? And so we started our series last week, and uh, we, we, we came to the conclusion that this, the way we live our lives vertically is through praise and worship. The way we begin to get our eyes off of horizontal living, uh, off of just looking at what's on the horizon, because there's mountains, there's things, uh, but we begin to live vertically, we begin to live focused on God as we begin to live a life of praise and a life of worship. And we talked last week that, that praise and worship is not just what we do like here on a Sunday morning. Now, how many of you guys thought it was awesome? You enjoyed that time together? Maybe some of you felt the presence of God this morning. You felt some chains breaking off, and we're going to preach about that next week. It's going to be good. You don't want to miss it. Uh, but that, that it's not just what happens in those moments, but it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Living a life of praise and worship is a life that we live. And uh, we came up with this definition last week. I want to read it to you. And I believe it will be on the screens as well. And it says, whatever has been elevated to occupy the highest level of importance in your life, whatever it is that is your driving force in making decisions, whether they be financial, relational, where I'm going to live, what I'm going to do, uh, building relationships, guiding your life steps, that is what you worship. And we come to this conclusion that, you know, that needs to be God. That God needs to be the driving force in every decision that we make, whether it be relational, financially, what I'm going to do for a career, who I'm going to marry, how many single people out there, and you want to get married someday, okay? Trust in God, okay? Uh, focus on God. Live vertically, okay? And I believe that he'll lead and guide and direct your steps to the right person. We want to we have God helping us make those decisions and leading and guiding our life. And the way we begin to live vertically is by Worship and praise. Worship and praise. And last week we talked about how that's a lifestyle, but this week I want to begin to look a little bit about what we do on a Sunday morning. Why do we spend so much time on a Sunday morning, literally probably 40% of our time as we come together on a Sunday morning? And, and, you know, maybe church is new to you or you came from a different church, you moved to the city, you're looking for one, you found yourself a canvas. Uh, or maybe our style of worship might be a little different or uh, whatever it might be. But we come together here and we begin to hear the piano. People are singing. You see people clapping. Some people are raising their hands. Uh, if you're me, you try to dance a little bit, which turns more into a swagger. Come on, somebody. Okay? That's me dancing, all right? That's not me getting my swagger on. That's just me, right? Okay? That's my dance moves, and, I, and God loves them, all right? I don't care if you do or not. And so, you know, you get into what, what's taking place here. What we're doing is we're beginning to fix our eyes 
vertically. We're beginning to do this. The Bible talks, and we're going to look at some of the scriptures. The Bible talks about praise and worship and, and the lifting up of holy hands. And it even talks about clappings, different, different you know, maybe uh, things that are a part of worship. And we spend so much time doing that on a Sunday morning because we truly believe, as we see in Scripture, that as we begin to do that, it begins to set our eyes vertically rather than horizontally. We begin to get our eyes off the temporal and begin to get our eyes on the eternal. What is taking place in those moments is this, because when we come into this place, when we come into church, I'm sure that you, you, whether it was a good week or not, there's still some obstacles maybe this past week, Right? There's maybe some challenges that you face. There's some circumstances that you had to deal with. And there's just some stuff happening in your life. But when we come into these moments and we begin to lift our hands, we begin to clap, we begin to sing with the band, all of a sudden we find ourselves not thinking about that, but we find our, our focus and our attention on God. And so it is such a vital part of the church, worship and praise, singing, songs to Him. And what happens in those moments is we are giving God what is rightfully His and the cool thing is, is as we begin to give God what is rightfully his, he begins to take care of that which we think is ours. As we begin to give God what is rightfully his, he begins to take care of what we think is ours. We think the finances in our life are ours. We think the relationships in our life are ours. We think the children that we have in our life are ours. We think that the battles that we fight as we're looking at the horizon rather than vertical sometimes, that those are ours. But what we're going to see in today's passage is that the battle is not ours, it is the Lord's. And if we would begin to give God what is rightfully His, worship and praise, and we begin to set our eyes vertically, He would begin to take care of what we think is ours. Amen? The Bible says in Psalm 20, verse 7, that some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we put our trust in the Lord. We put our trust in the Lord. Let me just bring that, you know, to today. Some of us put our trust in our jobs. Some of us put our trust in our relationships. Some of us put our trust in our finances. Some of us might put, put trust in a position, in a ministry, in a church, in a pastor. Are you with me? And if you put your trust in those things, you are living horizontally. And eventually one of those things or one of those people will fail you. And if anybody's ever been failed before, say amen. Okay? It's everybody, right? So this is what the, the scripture is saying is some put their trust in those things, but you know what we need to do? We need to put our trust in the Lord. And if we would begin to live life vertically, if we would begin to live focused on him, Psalm 34 says, let your praise be continually on my lips. Continually vertical. Continually vertical. Luke 19 tells us if we don't do that, guess what? The rocks will begin to cry out. Why? Because worship belongs to him. Praise belongs to him. And if we live our life vertically and give him what is rightfully his, he'll begin to take care of what we think is ours. I love that thought because here's the thing is that even in church, it seems like sometimes the focus is on us. Right? The focus is on us how we can overcome our battles, how we can overcome our trials, how we can over, guess what? They're not yours. They're his. We're going to see that today. Amen. We can stop right there and be done. It'd be good. Hey, don't be too excited. Got a little more time. Second Chronicles 20, and we're going to read 23 verses today. Second Chronicles 
It's page 471 if you're looking for it in your Bible. If you have the same Bible. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1. After this, the Moabites, the Amorites, and with them some of the Mennonites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. After this, after what? After this, if you go back and you look at Scripture, you're going to see what just happened is Jehoshaphat and the people have come back into Jerusalem to inhabit Jerusalem once again. They've come back to their city, the place that, that, that God has, has set up for them, and there they are. And if you look at, back at Scripture, you see that Jehoshaphat is bringing reform. He's starting to bring some change. He's starting to reestablish some things. He's starting to set the Levitical priests back in their rightful spots. And so this is taking place. And after this is all set up and it's good, all right, we're ready to move forward. Look what happens. A lot of people come up against him in battle. Does that sound like your life at all? Doesn't it seem like sometimes you, you work, God's working on you, God's working in you, and you work so hard to get things set in order, to do what's right. Maybe you haven't been walking with God, and all of a sudden you come back in, and man, you're rebuilding that relationship with God, and then it feels like all hell breaks loose. Am I the only one? That only happened to pastors, okay? That happens to Christians, right? I've seen it happen time and time again where you, you finally get back into church and then it's like, all hell breaks loose, right? You finally get to that place where you feel like you're on the right track. You feel like you finally found the one. Come on, somebody, right? And then all hell breaks loose. Why is that? Maybe it's because the enemy doesn't want you living vertical. So they came against Jehoshaphat in battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, now listen to this, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom. That's not the news you want to hear, okay? That isn't like your car broke down, okay? That isn't like you just found out you don't get the pay raise. This is a multitude of armies coming against Jehoshaphat, okay? This is a, lot, this is a big deal. This is a lot of stuff. Okay? You ever had one of those days that it felt like, man, it was just pouring on you, like nothing you do could go right? I guess that only happens to pastors as well. Okay. You know, bad goes the worst, and then it gets even worse than that, and you just you think, like, I want to start this day all over. Anybody ever have one of those days? Okay. I'm starting to think that maybe this is one of those for me. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and you just wish you could start all over. This is a hundred times worse than that. Yeah, this is bad. Now look at this. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, hey, a great multitude is coming against you. Doesn't it feel like when the enemy attacks that you are singled out and it feels like he's only coming against you? You ever felt that way before? Like you just look, and, because here's what happens. When the enemy does come, he wants you to focus on you. Because then you begin to live horizontally rather than vertically. And you begin to think it's all about you. Like, I am like the coolest, biggest, baddest dude in the kingdom of God that, that all hell's got to break loose on me. Right? And the enemy wants you to think that way, that the battle is just against you. And sometimes it feels that way. But if he can solo you out and single you out and you feel like you're the only one, you know, that, that's one of the encouraging things that the Bible talks about. Don't forsake the gathering of the saints together. Okay? In other words, don't, don't, don't not come to church, but come together. To canvas on Sundays, 10 a.m., okay? Why? Because there you find out that the battle isn't just against you. 
I was talking with somebody the other day, and they came up with this idea, and I know it wasn't just theirs, but they, they, they wanted to start a divorce recovery group. And I was like, okay, that, that's why. Well, because I, I went through it, and, I, and I, I've been through it, and it's, it was difficult, and, uh, and I happened to be hanging out with these other, other guys, and they shared their experience, and they realized how difficult it is, too. And you know what? I, I want to get, get people together that are thinking about divorce and tell them don't do it. It's the stupidest thing you could ever do. I was like, wow. Well, that would never have happened, right, if they hadn't got together and realized that, wait, I'm not the only one that's going through that. I'm not the only one that struggles with that or thought about that. Or... So here he is. The battle is against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in uh, Hazan Tamar. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and so would you be, right? He was afraid. Now, I'm glad there's not a period there. I love this little and word. Look at this. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and look what he did, and set his face to seek the Lord. Wow. What is that? I got to get my eyes off of horizontal, because when I look horizontal, man, there's a lot of dudes trying to take me out. And so you know what? I'm stinking scared. You know what I need to do right now? I just need to seek God. And so he begins to seek God and all of that. He begins to, what? He begins to uh, proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. Wow. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. Now I want you to highlight Judah in your mind, or you can physically do it in your Bible. And I want you to write this word next to it, praise. Praise. Judah, the very meaning of the word is praise. Praise. So Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. Verse 4, and Judah, or praise, assembled to seek help from the Lord. And praise assembled to seek help from the Lord. And praise assembled to seek help from the Lord. For all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not a God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Come on, that's awesome. Did you not, our God, Drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, and we will stand before the house before you. For your name is in this house." And cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab, Mount Zair, whom you would not let Israel invade, when they come from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Look at what he's doing. He's reminding God of his promise. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde. Remember, it's a lot of people that is coming against us. Now, look what happens. 
Look what happens. Jehoshaphat gets the report. Hey, there's a lot of people. There's a multitude coming against you. Jehoshaphat goes right into seeking the Lord. As he seeks the Lord and he proclaims this whole entire thing and it gets to the end of it, Oh, Lord God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that has come against us. It went from me to, I'm so glad the, the battle's not on me only. I got good news for you, church. The devil hates you too. The battle's not just on your pastor, on leadership, on, no, the battle is against you. Listen to his, the, 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 the shift that takes place. It went from, oh, man, fix your eyes on the Lord, and then you realize, ah, all right, someone else is going to attack too. Come on. <laughs> we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's so great. I don't know what to do, but you know what? I'm going to live vertical because I don't know how I'm going to get through this obstacle. I don't know how my marriage is going to make it. I don't know how my finances are going to make it. I don't know how my son or my daughter is going to be saved. I don't, know, I don't know how to deal with this situation. I don't know how to deal with this circumstance. I don't know how to overcome the thing I'm dealing in my life. But you know what? Guess what? My eyes are on you. That's a good place, right? And so his eyes, our eyes are on you. Now look at this. This is great, okay? Verse 13, meanwhile, all praise stood before the Lord. All Judah, all praise stood before the Lord. Look at this, with their little ones and their wives. Hmm? I, love, I love what we're doing in our church. You know, we're in here worshiping and we got the band playing, man, and lights going. Come on, we even got a fog machine. Come on, somebody. That's the fake Shekinah right there. That's the glory of... You know, if the real glory doesn't come, come on, we're going to pipe it out of that machine and the fog's going to fill. Someone's going to come in and go, oh, God's here. No, it's just a fog machine. Come on, somebody. I mean, if God can speak from a burning bush, come on, he can speak from a fog machine too, right? But I love what we're doing at our church because over in, in, in the older kids class, they got live worship going on. We want to teach our kids the power of praise, the power of worship. Because praise and worship is how we live vertical. When we live vertical, we realize the battle is not ours, but it's the Lord's. Meanwhile, while all praise stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. Who is this dude? He's only mentioned two times in the Bible. One is here. The other one is, uh, is, is he's one of the guys that joined forces with David and Ziklag. He became one of the mighty men of God. Mentioned there, mentioned here, Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. Now check this out. The son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of all of these people, verse 15, and he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Now think about this for a minute. They are fasting. They are seeking God. They're getting encouraged. The battle isn't just against me. I still don't know how we're going to overcome this thing. I still don't know how, you know, we're going we're gonna to fight through this. But our eyes are on God. And as their eyes are on God, as they're living vertical, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon this one dude that's only mentioned one other time in the Bible. 
and he begins to proclaim the word of the Lord. And he begins to proclaim, here is what God is saying. It's pretty cool. Verse 15. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you too, king. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde. For the battle is not yours, come on somebody, but God's. The battle is not yours, but it is God's. It went from the battle is against me, to the battle is against us, to I got great news for you. You won't need to fight at all. Why? Because the battle is not yours, it is God's. Highlight that in your mind. We're going to get into that in just, just a second here. Amen. This is a good scripture. Battle's not yours. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. Verse 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. In case you didn't hear it the first time. Here's what you need to do. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. I like that dude. We don't hear from him ever again. Boom, gone. But that's one awesome word right there to proclaim, right? I mean, if you're going to be known for something in the Bible, that's pretty awesome. And then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the Korites and the, these otherites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. We like that word. Good job, Jehaziel. We're going to do that. It's fantastic. Now listen to this. They worship with a loud voice. Verse 20. This is how Jehoshaphat interprets the prophetic word. What was the word? Hey, stand firm. Don't be afraid. This isn't your battle. This is God's. Just go out and see what happens. Stand. And this is how Jehoshaphat interprets that prophetic word. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and said, Wait a second. Say what? We're going to do what? Yeah, we're going out to battle, and God told us to stand firm. And so this is what that means to me. Jonathan, get the band together. Rally some more new ones. Don't tell them what they're about to do, though. I want you to get your guitars, your drums, your pianos, thumb cymbals, triangles, whatever you got. And we're going to put you in front of everybody with weapons 
and you're going to go before us. And Jonathan quits and goes to a different church. <laughs> and he took the whole band. No one wanted to do it, right? How dumb is this plan? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the day before, when the dude was given the prophetic word, everybody's like, yeah! And then King gets up and says, this is what that means. You know, everybody's like, wait a second. <laughs> Yesterday was, let's bring that dude back up here. because <laughs> I think some, Does anybody got a different interpretation? Anybody out there, please? What, hide? Perfect, I like that plan. Let's hide. This is what you're to do. Get all the worshipers out front. With the, with the musicians and everyone that can sing and bring praise and worship to God, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, he set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against praise so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that God, you would just speak in this place. We'd be encouraged. We'd be edified. We'd be built up. We'd be challenged. We'd be corrected by your word and by, by good doctrine. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Worship and praise is, is so much more than music. It's a lifestyle. We talked about that last week. But there is something so powerful about physical worship and praise. When, when you begin to lift your voice, when the, the praises of the Lord are continually on your lips and you are giving him what is rightfully his, when you are giving him praise, there is something so powerful about that. As a matter of fact, I mean, just, just music alone and words alone have the ability to change the whole entire atmosphere around you. And how many of you guys have ever watched a scary movie before? Oh, come on, you're going to raise me in a church. Come on. I mean, the exorcism of Emily Rose would not be as scary as it was had it not been for music. Come on, somebody. I mean, think about, you know, whatever's scary. I know nobody wants to admit that they watch scary movies in here. Okay? You've, everybody's probably seen at least one, Right? But what makes it so scary? The music, right? I mean, you take the music out, and a dude with a mask and a knife doesn't look that scary. Just like a freak, you know? But all of a sudden, you put that eerie music behind it, right, with a little wind blowing. And an owl hooing. I don't know why that's always in scary movies. And it just makes, and all of a sudden, it changes. You get a chill, and you're like, I see dead people, you know? It changes. As a matter of fact, here, put on that first. Put, could you put on that first one? Listen to this. Listen to this. What, what, what does this get you in the mood for? What do you think? Anybody want to decorate a tree? Huh? Because all of a sudden you're getting cold, right? Like, whoa. It's... it's chilly. I can't take it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. I can't take it. It's too cold. Stop it. Stop it! Can you stop it? Oh, <laughs> Starting to feel icicles. So you, you, all of a sudden you start thinking about Christmas memories. You're like, oh my gosh, is it almost time to start shopping? No, it, right? Or how about this one? How about this one? You got it. 
right? Come on, right? You just want to fight somebody out. Right? Come on, somebody see your leg. I, I want to get out of my seat right now. Come on, just. Right? Come on, Jonathan, you know you feel this, right? This is your song every morning. Come on, you just start pumping, just running some steps. Right? Can you feel it? You want to punch the dude next to you right now, be honest. You just want to suck somebody. Adrian, you know, you just. It changes the mood. I mean, you put, it, it changes. What about this one? No, not that one. We just did that one. Oh. Come on, crank that right there. Come on. Come on, let Marvin Gaye move you right now. Come on, baby. Come on. Come on, come on. Come on, somebody right now is putting their arm around the person. They don't even know him. They're like, hey. Right? Come on, that song right there, you want to meet the person next to you right now, don't you? Okay. Well, it changed everything, didn't it? I mean, emotions, it's like, oh. It has the ability, the power to change the environment. And we see it in Scripture. <laughs> Come back, Holy Spirit. We were singing to you, Holy Spirit. First Samuel 16:23. It, it, it shows us the power of an instrument in a music. First Samuel 16:23. This is where a distressing spirit came upon King Saul, and he was so distressed that he had to bring in the harpist. That's a trumpet. Ding 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 ding. And anytime David would begin to play, the distressing spirit would leave. When he began to play, wasn't when they began to lay hands and intercede, begin to pray, just he began to play, and the distressing spirit left. Second Kings 3, I love this one, Second Kings 3, 13 through 20, this is when Elisha is about ready to prophesy about the rain, no rain, and he's the rain, I prophesied it didn't rain, and I was going to bring back rain, that, that whole thing, it's pretty cool, you go back and read it. But before he prophesies, he looks at one of the dudes and he says, hey, I, I need a musician. True story. And the musician comes and starts to play. And as the musician plays, then he begins to prophesy. Think about that. Can you prophesy? I mean, he's a prophet. He's a major guy. I mean, he's, he's a big dude in the Bible. No, I don't, I'm not feeling it right now. Give me some Marvin Gaye going. Come on. You know, no, just don't, don't worry about it. But. He needed some music to get him in the mood so he could feel the presence of God and begin to prophesy. Are you with me? That's powerful. Music, words, singing, praise, it's a big part. That's why we spend so much time doing it here on a Sunday morning. It's not about necessarily the song selection and the chord charts and all that. It's just trying to get you in that position of living vertical, of praise, of worship that takes place corporately and something powerful happens. All of a sudden, when you come into that environment, you realize that your problems, your obstacles, your struggles, whatever it is you're battling, whatever the fight is, that not only does it not seem so big, but you realize it really has nothing to do with you. Listen to what's taking place here. 
They have just reestablished the city of God. They have just brought in, you know, and put back together the, the Levitical priests and how things are to worship. It's been restored. It's been, been reframed and remade, and everything's about ready to be good, and the enemy comes. But listen to what is taking place. The battle was not against them. The battle was against praise. It was against Judah. The enemy was coming in to try to stop praise from succeeding. To try to hold back praise from being reestablished. Because if the enemy can come in and stop your praise and your worship, you'll be forced to live horizontally. The battle is not yours. It's not against you. It's not against your marriage. It's not against your finances. It's not against your health. It's against him. And if he can begin, if the devil can begin to rob you of those things, he believed, read the book of Job. I'm going to afflict pain. I'm going to take things away. Why? Because praise and worship belongs to him. But if the devil can get us focused here on the temporal, the battle is against praise. The battle is against praise. This is bad. Lots of people come against him. Jehoshaphat decides to live vertical, sets his eyes on God. Praise comes out to seek God. The prophetic word comes forth. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. The interpretation of the prophetic word comes. Hey, let's worship. Let's worship. Let's worship. Let's praise. Let's worship. And, and, and it's such an awesome story to read now. But try to put yourself in the mind frame of them. Three kingdoms coming against us. Attack on all fronts. And you want us to do what? You, you, we're, we're. A couple months back, we had the Super Bowl. Any, any football fans in here? That's the most cheers we got all day. It was for football. Awesome. All right. Anybody love Jesus in here? Okay. I just want to make sure. I'm sure Jesus loves football too, so, but. And you know the Super Bowl, right? I mean, it'd be like, hey guys, we got a plan. And apparently the 49ers may have thought of this plan, I don't know. Sorry, Ray. I got a plan here. I know we've, we've, been, we've been going all season long. We got ourselves here, but we're going to change things up a little bit. Here's what we're going to do. You guys are not going to go on the field today. Go ahead and suit up. Just stand on the sidelines. But here's how we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. We're going to send the cheerleaders out there on the field. Now, I know some dudes out there are like, yeah, okay, but... And they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna win the Super Bowl for us. That coach, it's a bold move. That's, that's essentially what's taking place here. 
I know this is probably the biggest battle we've ever been in. It's not just one army, it's three, and it's a lot of people. Um, and so we're going to change things up here. And I don't know if he was thinking maybe it would just buy them more time, and maybe he was upset with the worship people, you know? I didn't like their song selection last Sunday, so you know what? We're going we're gonna to go ahead and put praise out there and put worship out there. That's what we're going to do. See, it's a, it's a great story in the Bible, but, but, but how does that translate to us today? How does that translate to our life practically? How does that translate to you and your battles? We need to put worship in front of the war. Because here's what happens. If we put war in front of the worship, we begin to be so focused on the enemy we're facing that we forget about the God we serve. If war gets in front of worship, we are so focused on, oh, gosh, my finances, my relationships, my family, this thing. And all of a sudden it begins to pile up and it begins to seem so insurmountable. But the simple principle is this. If you want to win the battles in your life, whether they be physical, whether they be relational, whether they be finite, whatever the battle is, it does not matter what the battle is. You don't even need to know the answer and how to overcome it, just like Jehoshaphat didn't. What you need to know is that there is a God in heaven who has planned out every single one of your days before you even lived one of them, and he has gone before you, paved the path, made it clear, and all you have to do is stop living horizontal and start living vertical. And when you begin to live vertical, when you begin to fix your eyes on him, when you begin to fix your eyes on him and you begin to give him what's rightfully his, he will take care of that which you think is yours. But the battle isn't yours. Listen, when you are gripped with fear, doubt, distress, depression, anxiety, hatred, and whatever it is. I don't know about you, but I, I think I've found myself in those situations before where, where prayer just doesn't seem to be cutting it. I prayed about this thing, and I prayed about it a lot, and I, pray, I fasted, I prayed, and, and prayed, and prayed, and prayed. I've read my Bible. I've read my Bible. I, I read it every morning. I got the devotional in the bathroom. Come on, somebody. You ever been to those houses? It's like every bathroom, Christian bathroom has a devotional in the restroom. Because some of you are like, oh, that's me. I have one there. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> right? I've read my Bible. I've gone to church. I've gone to community group. I've had my friends gather around me and pray. But none of that seems to be working. Listen to me. There are some things in life that you can't pray out, that you can't, that, you can't, that you can't read out, that you can't church out, that you can't community group out. Sometimes you just need to start worshiping. Sometimes you just need to start praising. Sometimes you just need to start changing the confession on your lips. Sometimes you just need to reshift your focus. And maybe you need to do a little dance. Maybe you need to do a little jig. I don't know what it is. But sometimes there are things that you face in life when none of those will work. And you just need to begin to put praise out in front of the battle. When you need to begin to 
but worship out in front of the war. When you need to begin to realize that, you know what, the battle is not on me. It's not against me. It's against praise. Because if the enemy can rob me of my praise, I'll begin to live horizontal. But if that happens, guess what? That can't even stop praise because he'll raise up the rocks to begin to give him what is rightfully his. I got good news for you today. The battle that you feel like you're in right now, it's not yours. The depression that someone is fighting in here right now, it's not yours. The emotional distress that someone is fighting in, it's not yours. Stand firm and see the salvation of our God. Ben, what, what's, what's the takeaway? What's the points today? Simply this. Jehoshaphat interpreted stand firm as, I got to give God praise in the middle of my battle. I got to give God worship in the middle of my struggle. And if I do that, he'll set ambushes. Oh, is that why we worship? No, we worship because we give God what's rightfully his. And we give God what's rightfully his, he'll take care of what we believe is ours. Because the battle is not ours. It's the Lord's. And there is somebody in here. I feel it so strong. There is somebody in here. Maybe it's your first time, your second time. Maybe this is your home church. But there is somebody in here today that you've been going through a battle. You've been fighting. You've been struggling. But you just need to change what's on the radio station. And you need to allow a new sound to come in. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.